It's not too late to set yourself up for success in 2020. If you aren't currently booked out for the year of 2020 with calendars on your books and all the ways you're going to make money, if that's not you, I want to invite you to join my free online training, how to plan out your 2020 photography calendar and get more clients in your books. In this masterclass, you're going to learn how to map out your 2020 photography calendar, no more planning last minute events and desperately trying to fill your session spots, how to create a strategic marketing plan to book out your year. If you're confused on what to post on social media and email your clients, this is for you. The two tools that dramatically changed the game in my business and gave me my time back and why planning your 2020 calendar can result in your best year ever. Get ahead of the game and go into the new year feeling confident and ready to have your best year yet. You can access this training at frameyourway.brookjefferson.com slash replay. Welcome to the Frame Your Way Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Jefferson. I'm a wife, mama to two, and full-time photographer and business coach. I created this podcast with the aspiring photographer in mind to bring you inspiring stories, strategies to help you go from zero to multiple figures, and tips and tricks to help you get one step closer to work-life harmony. Are you ready to frame your way to your dream career? Let's dive in. Today on the podcast, I'm chatting with Christy Osborne of Mountainside Media. Christy helps wedding pros develop sane and scalable marketing strategies to grow their businesses. And we are talking about a subject today that I know you will all be on the edge of your seats for, measuring the effectiveness of your marketing, including your website and funnels. So Christy, please introduce yourself to my audience. Hello, I'm Christy Osborne, owner of Mountainside Media, and I love winter <laughs> and math. <laughs> if you guys are like, what is she talking about? We were having a debate and con conversation about how I don't like winter. It's winter outside, but she lives for the winter. <laughs> I live for the winter. I'm a skier. I live at a ski resort. There's lots of sunshine in a ski resort in the winter because the snow bounces up into your face. So maybe not good for photography. I don't know much about that, but um, it's really great for, you know, getting your vitamin D, getting your exercise on skis better than the gym. Oh, I bet for sure. Um, speaking of working out, I'm like, two weeks of no working out and it's really anyway that is another subject for another time I will note note to self I need to go work out but I would love for you honestly just to kind of dive into all the goodness what do we need to know about Christy and what we're talking about today okay so I'd love to share my origin story just as a as a context to kind of tee it up um, and that is uh, not the big origin story, but in a nutshell, for the purposes of this podcast today, I have run a blog called The Mountainside Bride uh, for eight years, and uh, it's, a, it's a mountain wedding blog. And like many bloggers, I started selling directory listings to vendors photographers, planners, florists, mostly. And I have always had a head that likes to measure things and test things and see what works and what doesn't work. Um, as a child, I would take things apart. I'd take my crib apart. I'd take appliances apart. I do long division in my head for fun when I learned how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. So I've always had like a kind of a weird head like that. So I just instinctively set up tracking measures. I used to use a, a, a platform called ClickMeter, which I don't recommend for a number of reasons I won't go into today. But basically it allowed me to track not only what was happening on my website, but how well I could send links to these, uh, or send web traffic to these vendors. So I was tracking every single post differently for different vendors. Um, I was tracking their directory listing. I was tracking blog posts that I would write about them. So I got a pretty good idea of 
what was working and what wasn't working for both my business and for each individual vendor. So I was feeling really good. In hindsight, I should have been sending these reports out monthly or quarterly to keep people abreast. And if you are advertising with a blogger, I recommend that you request that. Sorry, blogger friends. Um, and so I, a year, you know, we were coming up on the year and I started sending my renewal emails out to vendors and they were like, uh, there was a number of them, not everybody, obviously, but there were a number of them that were like, um, I'm not really getting any ROI on my advertising with you. And I was like, what, what did you just do with the 2000 links that I sent to your website? Right. Um, and so I hop on a call with them and I would go through what I was seeing on my end as a blogger. It's my job to send traffic to your website as a vendor. It's your website's job to convert that traffic into inquiries. Right. And, um, we talked about that with Brittany Miller on right. the, yeah. So Brittany Miller talked about that. Like your website has a job and it has to have these certain things that it says. So, um, I started getting, started talking to vendors about like how to get their website to convert better and what might be the problem. Because if I'm able to send traffic, there's one of two problems. Either I'm not sending qualified traffic, right? So they're getting traffic, but it's not qualified or their website sucks. And what I would like to do today um, with you and your audience is talk about how to measure those two things, right? Because this is what started it all for me. And this is what I'm most passionate about. I love that. I'm super excited to dive in because there's a lot of information out there as you and I have discussed, and they're telling you to do 500 different things and move in different directions, but there's not very many telling you or asking you to pause and see if it's working. They're just, it's just an information overload and we're making our funnels, our freebies, all these things, but then we're like, it's not working, but we don't ever like investigate why. So I'm, I'm so excited for you to dive into this. Oh my gosh. And I'm so glad that you said that because when I teach Google analytics in particular, which I'd like to start off talking about, um, I typically say that the data that's coming in through Google Analytics, and Google Analytics isn't actually data, it's, it's an aggregate of a data set, right? And all of that is to say is typically if your website's big enough, it's a sample size, it's not all of the data. Google's taking a sample size of that data, which is a data set, and they're saying, by and large, your website performs in this way, right? So it's not, you don't actually have access to all of the data points because there would be big privacy violations there. But anyway, all that is to say is data or analytics are inert. They, there's no meaning until you assign it meaning. And uh, the way that you start wringing meaning from your Google Analytics, in particular, any kind of insights or analytics, is um, to start asking why, right? So oftentimes we log in and look at our Google Analytics and we're like, oh, I'm getting, you know, 2,400 sessions a month in traffic. And you pat yourself on the back and you log out. Or you're like, oh, my bounce rate's below 50% or 30% or whatever. And you pat yourself on the back and then you log out. And that doesn't do anything for your business. The only thing that does anything for your business is when you're able to get enough insights to take action. Well, how do you get those insights? You start asking questions. Why is this happening? Who is coming to my website? So an actionable metric is, oh, there's 2,400 sessions coming to my website, but 98% of them are coming from Russia or the Ukraine. Not a qualified audience, I better do something about it, right? So that's an actionable metric same, you're looking at the same metric traffic and you're cross-referencing, of course, where are they coming from, but you're looking at the same metrics, but instead of just saying, oh, traffic, you're asking why. And even if all of your traffic is local and qualified, asking why you're getting all that traffic, where is it coming from? Um, how do I leverage those insights to get more of the same qualified traffic can really level up your business in ways that don't really require you to have a, a geeky math mind like mine. Yeah, I'm in a season right now where I'm like hanging on to every word that you're saying because I don't want to just put stuff out there, cross my fingers and hope it works. And if it doesn't, like 
I, I want to know why, like I do, I, I want to investigate and I'm in this unique season of my business. And I know a lot of us are actually where we want to know how much traffic is our website getting? And if it's not getting good traffic, I want to dive into different ways to bring traffic there. And so, and this is like, this is not going to be done in a day. Clearly you're just going to have to, this is a long-term game and it takes a while, but I'm, I'm just super intrigued on analytics and like learning how to use them, not just look at them. Cause I think a lot of people tell you to look at them, but they're not teaching you what to do with them. So that's why this is like such a good, first of all, episode selfishly for me, but hopefully for everybody else. <laughs> well, let's, um, let's do this for fun. Since you've had some really great guests on the show already talking about uh, websites and funnels, those are the easiest things to measure. Um, and often the o most overlooked in terms of meaningful measurement. So let's talk about uh, Brittany Miller's uh, website podcast first and talk about how you can take her advice and then put some metrics against it. So that, that when she says, you know, you need to have a website that functions, you have some um, quantifiable data to answer that question, is my website good? So um, the first thing that Brittany uh, talked about on your website is you need to be addressing someone, a who. And um, it's totally, totally brilliant. I was, I was so into that. I was like, yes, I was like, preach, preach. Um, and so when you're in your Google Analytics and you're a wedding vendor, most of us, like the majority of us are serving clients in a specific geographic location. And even for those markets, like I live in a resort town, even those markets where we get a lot of destination couples, they're coming to us, right? And we know where they're coming from. In California, they come from LA and San Francisco, the end. Um, so one of the things that you want to look at is you want to go into your Google Analytics and under reports, you can look at the demographics of your audience. Now, if you haven't turned this on yet, there's a little checkbox that gives Google permission to do this. And basically this, this is because of privacy laws and things like that. You have to opt into it. Um, but you can look at the demographics and for people who are doing weddings in particular, your demographic is likely going to skew female and it's going to be, they're going to be aged 25 to 34. Okay. If you are at getting a lot of people who are 65 and plus to your website, you can ask yourself why. Now there could be a couple of different reasons. It could be that your traffic is completely unqualified, or it could be that um, you're attracting a lot of moms. Now, a lot of the power that comes from Google Analytics is through cross-referencing report. So there's another report that gets turned on when you turn on the demographics report, and that's the interest report. And this is really, um, it's, it's sort of a, a, a larger sort of 30,000 foot view squishy way to understand if the traffic that's coming to your audience is qualified. But what it will do is it will list all of the other interested interests based on people's web browsing habits um, that they might be interested in. I have found being a consultant and um, uh, a business consultant and somebody who does done for you services in the wedding and event industry for the past four years full time, that if somebody's planning a wedding, oftentimes their interests will skew to food and travel even if they're not a destination market, they're looking at hotels and venues. So Google sees that as travel. So food, travel, fashion, because they're looking at bridal fashion. And Google doesn't um, separate out wedding stuff. They just aggregate these big, large affinity groups. So if you are specifically in the wedding world and you look at your demographics and interests and you find that you are attracting females between the ages of 25 and 34 who also are interested in food and travel and fashion, you're probably attracting a good quality audience to your website. That's fascinating. That's really, that's really fascinating. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Now we talked about, um, we talked about asking why, 
right? Like, why is this happening? Um, I had uh, somebody take, have me take a look at her Google Analytics uh, wedding planner in Chicago. And uh, I looked at her Google Analytics and she was skewing uh, 45 to 54 male demographic <clears throat> with interests in sports, cars, and computers and IT. And she's a wedding planner in Chicago. And so I was like, hmm, you know, she's getting great traffic. She was like, my website's not converting. And I was like, all right, well, let me just look at some basic things, basic things. You can tell a lot of, about what's wrong by looking at the most basic things first. It's Occam's razor, right? The simplest solution is the best. And I was like, these are your demographics and interests. Any idea why? Right? Because I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm just looking at numbers and trying to piece together a story about humans based on those. And um, she was like, oh, that's interesting. You know what I bet it is? My husband is a sportscaster on the radio. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> so wow. people were searching for him and finding that she was his wife and then going to her website, right? So we realized that we didn't have qualified traffic. And then we could start to talk about, well, if we know that this amount of traffic is going to come in unqualified, how can we pack qualified traffic in around that. We started talking about campaigns and advertising and stuff like that to solve that problem. So wow. that's the who of your website. That's good. That's some good information right there. So um, we also talked uh, in that uh, podcast episode with Brittany about what their problem was, right? Like what their, what their challenge was. And again, this is a little bit more 30,000 foot view, um, but you can start to look under your behavior reports on your website. And this is especially useful if you're running a blog um, and you are talking about not just real weddings, but other block and tackle information that your couples need to know, such as how to dress for a winter photo shoot or, you know, um, a portrait session or an engagement session or, you know, the top venues that you love to work in and why in terms of, you know, interesting scene and, and lighting opportunities or the top vistas and, and beautiful places um, to, to go in your location, which is also really good for like location SEO. Um, you can find out a lot about uh, what your biggest, your client's biggest challenges are by how sticky those, those pages are. You can also find a lot off website about what your clients' challenges are by the types of social media posts that you post. So oftentimes with vendors, I tell them, get off the real wedding crack. I know that, that we need it. It's block and tackle stuff. Like we need to show our portfolio. We need to show real weddings. Um, but also, and I'm kind of jumping over to Jen's interview about funnels and, you know, her white rabbit um, content. Also, you want to both on your website and on social media have highly valuable content that, that you think solves the challenge of your ideal client avatar. And then you start testing it. So you're like my ideal client avatar. And she used a, um, an example, Jen used an example about uh, portrait sessions and your kids growing up so fast and having those memories. Um, so if you were to write um, a you know, blog post about how to preserve those memories in between portrait sessions or how to take a picture with your iPhone of your kids to preserve those memories. Oh, and PS, just because you teach somebody how to use an iPhone doesn't mean that they're not going to have professional photography because they're two different products, right? So whatever you do to add value, you make a guess, you put some content out into the universe, and then you see how people react to it. You know, if people are like sharing it and commenting and saying, thank you so much. This is, this has been so great for me. I've been transformed by that. Then you know that you're actually solving a challenge and a problem. Um, and if not stop producing that content because it's a waste of your time. Mm, that is really, really good. So for me, I definitely need to get back on my blogging game. I actually enjoyed it. I'm very, I'm kind of like you. I am more on the analytical side. I like to explain things and educate, hence having a podcast. Um, but there's a lot of blogs that I want to create, but I'll be honest, like 
I'm either paralyzed with what to talk about, which this gives me freedom in produce it once, see what happens. If you don't, if nobody likes it, then don't recreate it. Um, but the other thing too is I get stuck in, am I giving too much away? Like in a blog, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I do have a course that teaches moms how to take their own pictures in between the times that they ask us professionals for their portrait sessions. And I mean, I love to empower them. So it's kind of like just what direct, you know, what is too much and then what is really valuable? Because I've heard a lot of people lately say, if you're a photographer, one of the best blogs you could ever do is location SEO. Go write a blog about the five top places that you love to photograph that's going to give other people exposure to. And I've heard a couple, I've seen the controversy online and the controversy is, yeah, but I don't want all the photographers to know where I photograph. So what are your thoughts? Sure. <laughs> sure. So <clears throat> I've seen all that too. I think that, uh, it just kind of going back to what Brittany said about your website, because I, I feel like those two podcasts are really sort of the foundation for measurement. <laughs> what Brittany said about websites you need some sort of authority messaging on your website. And that can be awards and that can be, you know, um, other accolades and stuff like that. But if you look at um, Lynn Stevens' Think Splendid reports every year, that those rewards don't factor too strongly into, they do factor a little bit, but not super strongly into um, how you know how and why couples are going to book you and so what i would say is those uh, those blog posts about where you shoot um and how you shoot not necessarily how nobody cares about how you shoot nobody cares about how the sausage is made but they do want beautiful portraits you do your top five and people copy you but they don't blog about it you're still the authority you're still the person that people think of you know there's there's probably uh, no, there's not tons of people in the wedding industry who do <laughs> metrics and measurements, but outside of my industry, there's tons of analysts and tons of people who do um, Google Analytics and the people who win the most clients are the people who are out there saying, I'm really good at my craft and here's proof positive because I'm writing about it, I'm podcasting about it, I'm speaking at national conferences about it, my Instagram stories are all about it and that just builds authority. And then um, the second thing is, I've been on the internet for a long time. I was, a, I am a little bit older. So I was around, I was in graduate school when Twitter launched and I remember the fail whale. So you can look that up as a little piece of history. Um, but I've been on the internet for a long time. And what I have noticed about why people buy products, buy services is because yes, all the information is out there. And PS, it's out there with or without you. So you can either be an authority and a thought leader or not. But the way that the information is assembled on the internet is it's like taking a 10,000 puzzle piece and flinging it across an acre lawn and telling somebody to put the puzzle together. When you're offering a course or a service, you are putting the puzzle pieces lovingly into a box and bringing it to the person and then showing them how they all fit together. And they might still need to actually put, put the pieces together, but it's it's contained in a way that it's that it's actually doable at that point. And then lastly, about oh, everybody else gonna copy me. I just have a question for your audience. How many of you have experienced the new weekend warrior photographer coming into your market and you're just holding your head in their hand your hands because their photography's crap? You could you could make 10 million blog posts all about how to do great photography. It doesn't, it's not going to make them a good photographer because the only way that you become really great at what you do is through practice and experience. Ooh, man. I mean, we could just stop your episode right there and just call it done. Um, I know it's not what you came on to talk about, but that's like a swift kick in the butt that we all need. And I just think that we need those reminders because you're not the first person to tell me that, you know? Um, and I think that if we, what you focus on, so if you're focused on people stealing your ideas or, uh, you know, the negative parts of that, then that's what you're going to get. You know, that's what you're going to see. So that and was, that was awesome. if somebody is actually stealing your work, like stealing, stealing your work, um, do use Copyscape to monitor that. Uh, Google has a takedown 
form if uh, if you just Google um, somebody stealing my copy or copyright complaint on Google, you can fill out a form. I've had things taken down. And then also the shaming website, Stop Stealing My Photos, is always a delight to uh, submit to to get people to stop. Because in the photography industry, there's stealing your ideas and your and your in your portrait locations and then there's actually stealing your photos and unfortunately in our industry a lot of photos get stolen by a lot of people so i am not saying don't worry about it in that regard do protect yourself but in terms of like holding back your information i just i think that that's very short-sighted well thank you for going down that rabbit hole with me i'll let you climb back out of it <laughs> So there's one thing that I really wanted to give to your audience, um, because I know that, that these are supposed to be short and tight. I just want to talk about measuring funnels, right? So Jen talked about, you know, the landing page and the thank you page. And um, I think that she did a really good job of um, showing how they stacked up in that buyer's journey or the customer's journey. Um, really well. So I won't rehash that, but I do want to talk to you about measuring those campaigns. So I'm going to start with the landing page and the thank you page first. The landing page, as Jen said, has one job. And if you are trying to get inquiries, start with a landing page that's trying to get inquiries, right? Um, I know that she talked a lot about like having a download first, um, but I like to measure money first. I like to make money for my clients. I love money. So I like to focus on money first because if somebody does want to book my client, I don't want to create friction by having them go through my email autoresponder in order to do business. So I personally like to start with um, your inquiry page is your landing page. Make the form short and sweet. You know, you can ask them their budget and their guest count and their venue location and all the things and their in their spout, you know, their um, partner's name in a sales call. Don't let, don't make them spend 30 minutes trying to fill all that crap out. They're on their phone, first of all, and that's a pain. Just get their name, their address, and their, their ideal wedding date so you know if you're even open, right? And that's the inquiry form. So once you create an inquiry form, the magic is creating an additional thank you page. And this thank you page has two functions. One, it has a customer service function. It says, thank you so much for your inquiry. Here are the next steps, okay? I personally like to automate people jumping on my calendar. I do not want to get on an email correspondence with somebody that says, so I'm available on Wednesday or Thursday. When are you available? And they're like, oh, Wednesday's not good for me. And you know, Thursday I planned on blah, blah, blah. But no, it's like, how many hours in a year do you waste doing that? So automate your calendaring, they inquire, you say, thank you so much for, um, uh, for your inquiry to make it easy. I, I have opened my calendar up, jump on a time that's great for you and we'll get going. So they jump on your calendar. You can redirect to a sec, which is what I do, redirect to a second thank you page. This is your final thank you page that you're going to measure. This means that somebody has booked a call with you. So on that thank you page, you say, um, I can't, you're all set. Can't wait to meet you. We do our meetings on Zoom. Here's how to prepare. Come with any questions, look at these three blog posts, whatever it is that they need to do to prepare for that meeting. What that does is it handles them and cares for them in a way that thanks for your message, we'll be in touch soon, doesn't. So part of what you're measuring always and part of what you're doing with measurements is you're, you're measuring how well you can care for people so that they want to do business with you. And having that thank you page that really sets them up to feel cared for can make your sales call a lot easier, right? Because they don't feel like, thanks for your response. We'll be in touch in 40, 48 hours. They get something immediately. Now let's talk about how to measure that. You go to your Google Analytics and you're going to set up what's called a destination goal. This is in your admin uh, menu. So there's a gear all the way down on the left hand side at the bottom. There's a little gear. You click on that. It brings up your admin menu and there are three columns on the all the way to the left hand column. It's the view column. You will see goals. You're going to click that and set up a new goal. Here's a caveat. 
just set up one goal for now. Don't set up 20 goals. Don't use all the functions. I can't tell you how many people who have had their Google Analytics polluted and I couldn't use them because they're like, I want to see, I want to set up a page view goal and I want to set up a time on site goal. That doesn't do anything that to help me measure how much money you're going to make next year. Okay. So let's just focus on the money, not on all the other crazy stuff that Google will allow you to do. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. So we're going to focus on one goal, the destination thank you page. So in that goal, set it up. It, there's going to be an option. And this is where you're going to get tickled by Google and want to do a whole bunch of stuff you shouldn't be doing. It's going to offer you a whole bunch of options for testing time on site and video views and all the things. Go all the way to the bottom and click custom. And custom is not that difficult to set up. So you click custom. Another, um, another screen opens up and it asks you to name your goal. And this would be your inquiry. Thank you. Right. So just name it simply. And I'm doing this by memory. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure if I can remember what the exact screen looks like. So you're going to name the goal. Oh, and you're going to choose what type it is. So you're going to, at this point, you're going to choose, it's a destination goal. So what this means is anytime somebody hits your special thank you page, it's going to count as a conversion. The, way, the reason why we only do thank you pages at first and not landing pages is that um, we, we want, we're gonna wanna measure conversions first. A landing page can show interest. It definitely shows strong buying signals, but it does not necessarily show who converted into an actual lead. So you're going to go down and name your goal. Um, you're going to choose destination. I'm actually calling it up now. Yes. So you name it. I was right. <laughs> All by memory. Okay. And then here is the trick. In the goal details, it's going to default to destination equals two. Do not choose that. You are going to choose destination begins with. And the reason for this is when you go out onto the internet with your links and you, you know, you put something in your Instagram bio or you you put something in a Facebook group and somebody clicks on it. Oftentimes these platforms will append the URL with a query string. Now I know that everybody just went blank with that, but basically it's all that gobbledygook on the end of the, the clean URL that when you click on something, you know, sometimes you look in your browser and you're like, what is all that junk? If you're looking at a desktop, they're appending the link. And if, if you choose the equals to default, none of those appended links will be recognized by Google Analytics as a conversion. So you're just going to um, click on that drop down menu and choose begins with. And then you're going to put, you don't have to put your whole URL and I don't recommend it because a lot of us have HTTP and HTTPS, blah, blah, blah. Just put slash thank you slash. That's it. Um, and then if you know the value, the lifetime customer value, you can assign it a value. You don't really have to. And then don't touch the funnel because oftentimes we're using things like 17 hats and HoneyBook and all the other things. And as soon as somebody goes off of your site, it breaks Google's funnel. So the way that Jen talked about funnel development and the way that Google measures funnels is different. So leave that alone for now. So that's how you set up a goal. You can verify that goal. If you've had that thank you page for a while, you can verify it, uh, click the verify button and we'll tell you how many conversions you would have had when you, if you had set up that goal earlier. Um, but if you're just setting up your thank you page, it will tell you that. And then what happens is Say you have a, a link in your Instagram bio that goes to your inquiry page. Google is tracking all of that inbound tra traffic. And then because your Google Analytics is evaluating what people are doing on your website, when, you're, when they hit that thank you page, it tracks as a conversion. Now, when you go into your Google Analytics, you can go under the conversions report and look at the source, uh, look at the source in, in the medium, which is usually the default, and it will say you had three thank you page goals this month and they came from Instagram. And you're like, oh, Instagram's really powerful. Maybe I should do more on Instagram, advertise on Instagram, use Linktree on Instagram. Quick story about this. Um, I had a client who came to me to set up her Google Analytics for her subscription service. And 
when we looked at Google Analytics without setting up a goal, we noticed that all of her traffic came from, or like a majority of her traffic came from Pinterest. We're like, oh, Pinterest, we should advertise on Pinterest. Blah, blah, blah. So um, that was a good guess. We looked at the data, a lot of traffic coming in from Instagram or from Pinterest, we're gonna guess. Advertise there, great. But we also felt like we wanted to test other platforms. So we also set up some um, campaigns, organic campaigns and some ads to test on Instagram. We tracked our links and I wanna talk about this. If you have time, it will take me like five minutes. Yeah, go for it. But we tracked all of her links, we set up her thank you page, we set up conversions. And what we found was even though Instagram was a, a powerful traffic driver, in the funnel, they weren't ready to do business with us off of Instagram. They were just looking for inspiration. They were just looking for information. And that the highest conversion, this blew my mind, the highest conversions that we got was um, running Instagram ads. And so we pulled our money out of Pinterest. We still use Pinterest as a traffic driver because you can pixel people once they hit your website and remarket to them on social media, which is a different podcast. Um, but so we still use Pinterest organically, but we shifted all of our marketing spend to Instagram ads because we knew that those were converting higher. And uh, we went from about $2,000 to $20,000 in revenue in four months. Wow because we shifted our money to the proper place for conversions and we were measuring conversions. So that's that. Yeah. Okay. So I want to back up real quick. Cause that was okay. so much goodness. I kind of wish that I would have been tracking, you know, a long time ago. I'm sure everybody's going to be like, wow, wish I would have started. that." Um, but the next best time start is today. So I will get on that, but I want to back all the way up to the very beginning when you started talking about this and you mentioned how, you're not going to spend hours in your email inbox corresponding with someone asking about dates. And I just have to put a shameless plug here because I have said this for months and everybody is probably rolling their eyes, but this is why I use Iris works, right? So I'm going to leave that there. But the other thing is we go over this, we set all this up if you missed it, the workshop happened on Monday, December 2nd is when this happened. And if you missed it, you can catch the replay and I will show you how to plan out your 2020 promotional calendar and make sure that you have all this set up to where you don't have to waste your time and cross your fingers and hope you're going to get clients. You will know, you will know when you're available, when you're not, and then you're going to learn how to fill your calendar with people. So I had to throw that in there because it's validation for what I created for you guys to let you know, like it, it is a must and it's a free workshop. So don't miss your chance. So do it. The other thing that I want to say is I'm like seriously captivated by how much Google allows you to do. Like I've always heard Google analytics are important, but I've never really honed in on using them correctly. And I'm sure nobody has. Honestly, I'm sure nobody has. You you are the expert in this area here and we are all learning. And I, I know for a lot of you, you're probably like in over your head and probably was tempted to turn the episode off just because you think that it's overwhelming. But I think if you'll just listen to this episode a couple times and do it while she's speaking, I think it's going to be a lot easier for you. Um, it doesn't matter what stage you're at. If you are a beginner photographer and you're listening to this, then honestly, I applaud you because five years ago, I would have loved to have heard something like this and learned how to have a website. Because It's not all about social media. It's not all about email marketing. Like your website does matter. So please don't let anybody tell you that you don't need a website. You need a freaking website. That's all. That's my soapbox. And, and also like to take the overwhelm out of it, there's really just three things that you need to think about when you're looking at your Google analytics website uh, or your Google analytics to see if your website functions. One is who, who's coming to my, are the people coming to my site, the right people. And then two, are they interested in doing business with me? So I didn't talk about this, but you can um, go ahead and look at the behavior reports again. And you want to make sure that on your website, especially if you're a blogger, I've seen this with especially um, photography blogs, everybody's looking at your blog and nobody's looking at your about page or your inquiry page. So those are your bottom 
bottom funnel money-making pages that show the best buying signals? Are they looking at your portfolio page? Are they looking at your about page? Those are, you know, buying signals. And if they are on your inquiry or contact page, they're getting super serious. They're, they're hot to work with you. And if you're not getting a lot of traffic on that and you're busting your butt doing all these blog posts and you're just getting blog post traffic, you need to start asking yourself, how can I get people off my blog and onto my main website so that they could take the next logical step to do business with me? So what you're doing is you're just at, you're just looking for the answers to three things. Are they coming to my site? Are they showing buying signals? And then finally, are they converting? And that's the thank you page goal. Everything else you don't need. Like you don't need, I can't, 99% of what I do for, for wedding clients when I set up their Google Analytics are touching those three questions. So keep it simple. For sure. And it really is that simple. It's just a lot. It's just like a long process to talk about, but it's also super simple. So that's why I can't wait to go back to my inquiry page, make sure and see what it even says after they have submitted. Cause I think that's the key point there, right? Is that thank you page. And then tracking that I'm excited to see it because I have, you know, I've glanced at my Google analytics just to see what website traffic I have and, and whatnot. And it's, it's definitely increased, but I want to know who and where and why and how I can make it better. So I'm, uh, I'm super fascinated. This was my dream episode. I know I'm so weird, but I love this stuff. Like I, because why, if you're in business and that's the thing, like a lot of you have said, I've read your reviews. I've read your emails. I've got your messages on Instagram. A lot of you have said, I love the way that Brooke challenges me to step into that business owner role and not just the creative side. Because guess what? Your creative side is only going to get you so far. But if you want to run a photography business and maybe pass it to your kids or bring on an associate photographer one day, you got to have this stuff in place. And so in case you're wondering, like, why aren't we just hearing from photographers here lately? Well, this is why, like this matters too. And so um, you know, I knew that there wasn't a podcast that existed like this. I want you guys to get both sides, not just the shiny good stuff, but the things that matter. And this is what will help you make more money in your business. And so that's why I asked Christy to come on. <laughs> so I don't know if we have time to talk about campaign tracking because I know we're running long. Um, You're totally fine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cap you. You're good. I want to talk about sort of the last step to really supercharge your, your uh, ability to analyze your marketing and advertising. But I will say this with a caveat, you can really mess up your analytics if you, if you put in the wrong inputs. I'm going to talk to you about what inputs you should be putting in, and I'm going to give you a hall pass that if you don't want to do this right now, um, that's fine. Google has, um, has become much more sophisticated in understanding where your traffic's coming from. Like, is it coming from? You can see this. You go to the social report and you can see Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. Do you know what I mean? So, um, this isn't super, super necessary. Um, but when you're ready to take it to the next level, um, you actually, and especially if you're spending a lot of money, you actually want to start tracking your links and controlling how your links are tracked so you know that they're tracked properly. So, you're going to Google. Uh, uh, Google campaign URL builder or Google campaign builder. And that will give you Google's product for building uh, trackable URLs. The reason why you want to use Google's campaign builder is because that is how Google analytics will properly read a tracked link and it will, it will ingest that data into your analytics in a way that Google analytics understands. So there's a couple of, um, there's three different fields that you have to fill in or Google will not allow you to build the link. Uh, the first is the URL. So if, let's just say you're running some down funnel, like my calendar is filling up fast, inquire today about dates and prices. You put in your inquiry page, that's your landing page, and then it's going to ask you for your campaign source. You have got to use Google's words for, or I'm sorry, not that that's campaign medium. It's going to ask you for a campaign source. This is where the traffic's coming from. 
So this is Facebook, it's Instagram. Um, if you're doing email marketing, some people recommend that you put in like MailChimp. I think that that's useless. I do email marketing, not just for myself, but I'll buy email marketing from other people. So if I'm working with another vendor, a planner, and I'm like, hey, will you do a blast for my campaign? And she says, yeah and she's using MailChimp and I'm using MailChimp, it just gets confusing. So I just put my business name in there. Not .com, just my business name, all lowercase. Google sees upper and lowercase words as different words. So you have to adopt a convention, lowercase is easiest. Again, Google sees dashes and underscores is different. So adopt a convention, I use dashes, some people use underscores, but it's all lowercase. And you say, I'm gonna run an Instagram campaign in my bio. Um, and so you would put the campaign sources, Instagram, all lowercase, then you have to fill out the medium. You have to use Google's words. So you know when you go into Google Analytics and you look at your traffic sources and it says direct, organic, social, email, and all those things, if you do not use those words, Google will not know what you're talking about and it will dump you in the other bucket and you will have no, you gotta dig for it and it takes a lot of work. So for all intents and purposes, for, um, for wedding vendors, they are going to be on social. So they're gonna use social, lowercase. They're gonna be doing an email marketing campaign. So they're gonna put email, or they're going to be doing paid advertising on social media, and that's CPC, okay? That's it, that's where you live, <laughs> that's all. Um, and those are Google's default channels. And so as long as you're using one of those three things, again, keep your campaign simple and you put in the source, Facebook, Instagram, your own business, somebody else's business or whatever, um, you'll be fine. And then the campaign name, now you can get creative again. You know, if it's a Black Friday sale, if it's a Cyber Monday sale, if it's an engagement season sale, you just put some keywords in there to help you keep track. And then you take that link, you can shorten it down, and that's what you use in your Facebook post or your ads or your Instagram bio or whatever. This is a little bit more advanced, but now when you go and you look at your conversions and, and you're looking at your thank you page conversions, you, it, you can actually say, okay, well, I know that most of my conversions came from Instagram, um, but what was the campaign name that most of them came? And you can start to see how different campaigns are performing. So maybe engagement season doesn't perform as well as my calendar is filling up. And that's how you can get into like, instead of just the gut reaction, like it feels like I got a lot of engagement, you can actually put some real quantitative data to that. But campaign URL tagging and campaign tagging is definitely advanced. And um, I'm going to let you off the hook because if you do this wrong, you, you, you can pollute your data and just not get the right information in the right places. And then you're just, it doesn't show any conversions for you. So um, definitely look at some YouTube videos. Um, one person I follow is called Annie Lytics, A-N-N-I-E Lytics. And she has a guide to campaign tagging that you can Google. She comes up really high on Google and that will give you a breakdown. Um, but when you're ready, start tracking your links and that will really allow you to start testing different types of content and things to see what's working, what's not working to drive sales. That is so exciting. I had no idea that you could do all of these things. I have a long laundry list of things that I need to be looking into, but I'll take it one step at a time and go back and start with that thank you page first and track that. But I... I just love that. The fact that we don't have to guess anymore. We can literally go over to Google analytics and look at what it's doing for us, which I think is super beneficial. And I'm all about moving the needle forward. And this is definitely one of those tracking your effectiveness for sure. So, and also I just want to tell a little story because I know a lot of people who follow you, they they're doing beautiful work. Um, they have great social media channels. A lot of them do have beautiful websites and um, it's easy to really feel like you're on top of the world and just be like, you know, I don't really need a lot of this measurement because my business is booming and I'm on top of the world and I know what my audience likes on social media and on my website and stuff like that. I'm good. When I was just a quick story about being good. 
Um, when I was in, when I was the digital, the director of interactive marketing, which is digital marketing now for Mammoth Lakes Tourism, after about three years, I got to a point where all my campaigns were good too. Um, I knew where my audience was hanging out. I knew how to advertise. I knew the messaging that they liked. And um, I knew how to grow all of those campaigns. And I got to a point where I remember one time it was in the springtime, we were starting to um, segue out of winter and into summer messaging. And I remember looking at the reports and saying, you know, everything's good. Lonely Planet's good. TripAdvisor's good. Travelocity's good. Um, you know, all of these things are good. Um, but some of them are better, right? And so what would happen if I took two excellent channels and focused on them or two excellent ad campaigns and focused on them and dropped the three campaigns that were good, but not as good as these two things? Like how much more money could I make my community? How much more um, conversions could I get? And so I would say if, if you're out there and you're thinking, you know, I'm good, I'm good, Metrics can really allow you to, you know, take and make a decision to let go of the good in favor of the excellent and truly level up. Because if you're good at seven things and you're excellent at three, why not take all of the money and effort and time for those four good things and roll it into the excellent things and really level up your business? Mm, that's awesome. That, so metrics aren't just for losers. No, that could be <laughs> interpreted like so many different ways. So that that's awesome. I'm wow. This has been a jam packed episode. I am so thankful that you came on and and honestly just rolled back the curtain and let us you know into your your head and your strategy. And I hope that people will adopt this. And again you don't understand it the first time, re-listen, do it by chunks. Like I promise it's not that hard um, to understand. It, it really is simple and I cannot wait to, to jump in for sure. And we can continue to talk about this inside of our Facebook group too. If you guys have questions on this episode, you guys know y'all can post anytime, ask questions and we can have a deeper conversation and deeper dive there too. So Christy, do you have anything else that you want my listeners to know? I mean, I think I've covered it. I don't want to make their brains too mushy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I did create a download uh, for you in particular, and I it's a, the five metrics in Google Analytics that event pros should be measuring. And in this download, I do step you through. I have screenshots for you know, how to set up your goals and, and things like that. So um, if folks would find that useful, I mean, it's, we're in the wedding industry. So I had it designed and it has pretty pictures and it feels a little like friendlier than just having me come at you with my scratchy little voice. Um, but you can find that at mountainsidemedia.com slash Brooke for this podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Christy. This has been awesome. So many takeaways and I'm really excited to see the results people are going to get once they start tracking their, their marketing and, and their analytics. So I'm super excited. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Want to be featured on the podcast? I'm currently looking for photographers who are interested in a coaching session that will be recorded and aired on the podcast in 2020. To apply to be a guest on the show, please visit brookjefferson.com slash apply.